0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer Well, today I want you to turn to Psalm 136. Psalm 136, we'll read the whole uh, chapter. It's a lot, but it's maybe not as much as you might think, but You know, um, there's a story about a man who had a habit of grumbling about the food that his wife would put in front of him at mealtime. But then, after he did all the grumbling, he would pray blessings and thanks to God for that same food. And so one day, after his usual combination of complaining and then giving thanksgiving and prayer, his little girl asked him, Daddy, does God hear us when we pray and give him thanks? And he replied, well, of course, he hears us every time we pray and give thanks. And she paused a moment, and then she asked a very important question. Does he hear everything we say the rest of the time? You know, that's a a pretty astute question, and it's theologically correct. God hears everything we say, but not just that. God also hears everything that's on our heart. And that story was created to make us think about what God hears from us. What is it that God hears from us? Does he hear complaining? Or does he hear thanksgiving? You know, Helen Keller, who was both blind and deaf, is quoted as having said, so much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. I mean, she would not allow herself to give in to ungratefulness or complaining. And too often, we allow the circumstances of our life to determine whether we give thanksgiving or not, or maybe the amount of thanksgiving we give, the level of thankfulness that we think we should give to God. You know, it's said of the pilgrims after making that treacherous trek across the ocean into this new land that they made seven times more graves than they did huts. And nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving. And yes, okay, so we have set aside a day of thanksgiving. And I think that's a good and right thing to do. But we should desire to have this obedience of giving God thanksgiving go beyond a season and making it a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And then, you know, making sure that our thanksgiving is directed correctly. Because it is God, the one who gives every good and perfect gift who has given us all that we have that is good and when we give god thanksgiving that naturally leads to praise we praise him for who he is and what he has done and the psalm that we are looking at today is a reminder to give thanks and then it leads to praise and it lists many reasons why we give god thanksgiving and praise but the 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 thanksgiving that the psalm gives is centered around a concept of God's loyal love. Now, the Hebrew word that is repeated throughout this psalm is chesed, which I know you all want to just go out and use that word as much as you can. But it's it's a difficult concept to put into English. But the core idea is that it's centered on loyalty built around a relationship. God is loyal to those with whom he has a relationship. God's chesed is someone, you know, is something that he gives for someone who's in a relationship through covenant. And God shows that person love and loyalty. Now the word is translated in so many different ways depending on the translation you're looking at. I know there's a lot of different translations here. The ESB will say steadfast love. The LSB and TLB will say loving kindness. The NASB will say faithfulness. The CSB and the NLT will say faithful love. The NIB just says love. And then the King James and New King James says mercy. And the net that I'm reading out of says loyal love. And so, but you know, the, the concept behind it all is how God deals with those with whom he is in covenant in Christ. He loves us. He is loyal to us even when we're not loyal to him. He is still loyal to us. And that love and that loyalty is demonstrated in so many different ways. And 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 today, you know, as we read the psalm, we recount some of these reasons. I pray that it would cause us to consider what it is that we do have to be thankful for. And then that thankfulness. Naturally, naturally will lead to praise of who he is and what he has done, the one who has given us chesed. And so I want to read Psalm 136. Now I'm going to, I want to do things a little bit differently today than I normally do because the, when uh, the psalmist wrote this, it was written to be a congregational, whole community thing. It would be kind of responsorial. And so today we're, we're going to, to do that. Oh, good! It did turn out. So uh, there's a there's a phrase that, and it's the same phrase in every single line, and it's for his loyal love endures. So I'm going to read the white part, and I want you to respond with the yellowish part. You say, "For his loyal love endures." So let's practice this. So I'll point to you, and you say, "For his loyal love endures." For his loyal love endures. Excellent. Let's read God's word give thanks to the Lord for he is good give thanks to the God of God's give thanks to the Lord of Lords to the one who performs magnificent amazing deeds all by himself to the one who used wisdom to make the heavens to the one Who spread out the earth over the water. To the one who made the great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To the one who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And led Israel out from their midst with a strong hand and an outstretched arm to the one who divided the red sea in two and led israel through its midst and tossed pharaoh and his army into the red sea to the one who led his people through the wilderness To the one who struck down great kings and killed powerful kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as an inheritance, as an inheritance to Israel, his servant. To the one who remembered us when we were down, and snatched us away from our enemies, to the one who gives food to all living things, give thanks to the God of heaven. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, as we Recite these words that you have inspired. We do give thanks and we are thankful that your loyal love endures for eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That is right. God's chesed remains on those who are incumbent with him and it endures for all of eternity now in this psalm israel is recounting its history obviously and how it demonstrates god's chesed his loyal love to them but the concepts that are behind the history that are given here about israel Are truths that we as Christians also enjoy in Christ. Everything that we have in Christ, I believe, is, is demonstrated here. It gives us reason to remember and give thanks to God because his loyal love does endure. And so I want to talk about why are we giving this thanks that leads to praise today. And so first today, we see that we thank God for his character we thank god for his character we have a god who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son we have a god who is great and the psalmist here writes about his attributes his character aspects of his being that we are just so thankful for we have a great god now according to verse one we give thanks because god is good god is good all the time and all the time And we better not forget that. Our God is not like the gods of the pagans and the false religions that can be vindictive and unstable. Our God is not like the gods of the Roman and Greek times that were merely superhumans who had the same weaknesses and moral failures as humans. We have a God who is good. He is perfect in his existence. He is perfect in his moral standing. God is good and does good for those with whom he is in covenant, with whom he has loyal love one pastor described this goodness he said God's goodness is an ocean that has no shore a mountain that has no summit a road that has no end not meager but much not skimpy but sufficient not little but limitless not barely but bountiful not feeble but full his goodness never grows old and is never outdated The more you rely upon it, the more reliable you discover it to be. The more you trust his goodness, the more trustworthy you'll find his goodness to be. As King David said in Psalm 34, 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes shelter in him. And so we're so thankful for God's goodness. But not only that, the psalmist says we are to be thankful because of God's sovereignty. The psalmist tells us in verses 2 through 4 that God is the god of gods and he is the lord of lords and he performs amazing deeds all by himself there is nothing that exists over which god is not supreme ruler he is ruler and sovereign over everything nothing happens in his creation without his knowledge without his consent without his will without his action these are truths that are also spoken about our lord and savior jesus christ who is the god man Jesus is completely God and man, and the same things that the psalmist says here about God the Father is said about God the Son. In Revelation 19.16, it says that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Matthew 28.18, Jesus said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And so he is sovereign, and that means in the midst of the chaos that this world is, I mean, this world is nothing but chaos, and even over, you know, our own lives, the chaos of our lives, God is still sovereignly in control, even in the midst of chaos. He's moving things according to his plans and purposes. There's nothing that's going on in our lives, and there's nothing that's going on in this world that is outside of his reach. I mean, not the wars that are going on, not sicknesses, not even ourselves, not even our own stubbornness is beyond God's control and so here is something to be thankful for here is something that leads to praise he is a good god and he sovereignly reigns over everything working all things out for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose but the psalmist continues about reasons that we give thanks and praise to god secondly he says we thank god for his creation We thank God for his creation. Verses 5 through 9 remind us that everything that exists outside of God was created by God. After the six days of creation, God said it was good, meaning that everything was set to fulfill the purpose for which he had it. Now, even though, obviously, creation went bad because of sin, even though sin entered and marred everything and everything is cursed, it still fulfills purpose. It didn't completely lose the purpose for which it was made because the sun still rules by day and the, the moon and stars still rule by night. And so first, we thank God for creation because it is a reflection of his glory, majesty, and power, and beauty. Even, even though this creation has been subjected to the fall, has been subjected to the consequences of sin, there is still so much about this creation that screams God's glory, that screams that God is good and powerful, that points to God. We still see reminders that this world was created by God, and He is still in control. When you see a sunrise or a sunset, and it gives you a moment of peace and calm, it points to God. God made that sunrise and sunset when maybe a butterfly or a bird catches your eye and you just admire how beautiful and intricate that creature is you're reminded god made that creature god is good and he is powerful and so god god's creation i mean it's still imperfect it still ministers to the soul of those who recognize his hand in the middle of it yeah god made that but not only do we thank god for the wonders of nature that is creation. We also remember that we ourselves have been created and formed by the potter's hand. We are his creation. You were specially created by the creator for a purpose. He created you exactly as you are because he wanted you to fulfill a certain piece of the puzzle, we could say, that would glorify his name. We're told in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship. We, it means we are his masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You were created for good works that were prepared in eternity that you should walk in these good works. God created you unique because of the plans that he has for you. Even plans you might not even realize exist yet. You are not made from a cosmic cookie cutter. He didn't just make everybody the same and just had that cosmic cookie cutter going. You are the you that you are because God made you to do something special for him. Only something that you could do. So don't ever think that God has kind of lost you in the shuffle of humanity. Don't ever think that God has forgotten you or kind of cast you to the side. I mean, you might be in a time of pause right now, but it's because God is preparing you for something in the future. You are as much a part of God's creation as everything else that, you know, we talk about as creation. We might think of, you know, we think of the sunrises and the sunsets and the trees and the forests and the mountains and all that as God's creation. But you are God's creation. And so we thank God for this creation that is around us, that points us to God and reminds us of his majesty and glory, but we also thank God for the creation that is us. We are his workmanship. And so we thank God for that, but the psalmist doesn't even stop there. The psalmist continues, and so third, we thank God for his deliverance. We thank God for His deliverance in verses 10 through 15. The psalmist summarizes God leading His people out of Egypt. I mean, you know, it might have sounded weird when I reading these things, and all these people got killed. His loyal love endures forever. Like what? Say what? But it's talking about the deliverance God had chosen His people through Abraham, and. God told Abraham, your descendants are going to be numerous and they're eventually going to take over this land of Canaan. But there was going to be kind of a long pit stop where they were going to be enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. But when the time came, God demonstrated his sovereign power and control through different signs of might and strength that overwhelmed the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh eventually released the people and through Moses, God led them out. But Pharaoh regretted his decision and he began to pursue Israel. But through another demonstration of his power, he split the Red Sea in two. He parted the Red Sea, and Israel walked across dry land to escape their pursuers. And then when Pharaoh and his army decided, well, we're going to chase them, while they were in the middle of the Red Sea, it fell upon them and destroyed them. God, through great signs of power and might, delivered his people from their enemies. And now we who are his covenant people, we are able to enjoy the same blessings. We too have been delivered by a great demonstration of power and might by God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Egypt is not our enemy, but they were a shadow. They were a type of the enemies that we do face. Because Adam and Eve sinned, because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they introduced sin and death into humanity and creation and effectively put the creation and put humanity under the, we might say, temporary control of Satan. But Jesus, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, he took upon himself humanity, and he sacrificed himself to deliver people from all three of those enemies. Sin, death, and Satan, and all who believe in Jesus Christ are brought into an eternal covenant with God, and God shows his chesed, (laughs) toward us by delivering us from these enemies. Jesus delivers his people from sin. He delivers us from its power, its consequences, from its grip. You know, the angel Gabriel told Mary when he said, you're going you're gonna to bear a son as a virgin. He said, you will call his name Jesus because the name Jesus means that Yahweh saves his people from their sin." We're told in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. Romans 6 tells us that Christ died to break the power of sin, and through him we are now forgiven. Paul said in Colossians 2.13, even though you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions, all of them. And so we are delivered from our enemy, sin. But God's word also reveals that Jesus died to deliver us, to save us from Satan, from the evil one. John tells us in 1 John 3, 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was revealed, to destroy the work of the devil. We're told by Paul that in Colossians 2.15 that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public disgrace of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so Christ defeats Satan. Satan is not this all-powerful being that has all this control. There's only one God. Satan ain't it. But Christ defeated what Satan could do to us. But not only that, we're told that he has delivered us from the power of death. I mean, Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. But Paul also says in 1 Corinthians that death will be the last enemy that is going to be destroyed. I mean, God had foretold this through the prophets about this aspect of Christ's salvation. When he said in Hosea 13, 14, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, the grave. I shall redeem them from death. O oh, death, where are your plagues? O oh, Sheol, where is your sting? Paul quotes that, using that, that, that Christ has defeated death. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 2:9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death So that by God's grace, he would experience death on behalf of everyone. Jesus took away the power of death. If you are in Jesus Christ, yes, you still physically die. But you will never spiritually die. Revelation warns us that, yes, people physically die. But then there is a second death. The spiritual death that lasts forever being cast into the lake. fire but Christ has delivered us from that if we would believe in him so much so far to give thanks to God and there's more fourth we thank God for his protection verses 16 through 24 describe how God protected Israel in their 40 years of wilderness wandering after delivering them, God did not just leave them to their own devices or, devices or just kind of, you know, abandon them to the elements. God walked with them through the wilderness and protected them from those who would do them harm until he finally brought them into the promised land of Canaan. Now, when God and Jesus Christ delivered us from our greatest enemies, God did not just leave us. God didn't say, okay, you're saved now. You know what? Just live on this earth. Try to stay out of trouble, and then I'll see you when you get to heaven. That's not what God does. God just doesn't abandon us to this crazy world. In Christ, God walks with us and He protects us and He leads us to the final our final destination until we make it to the heavenly promised land. You know, just because we're saved and and we're delivered from our enemies, now, you know, that doesn't mean that the enemies won't try and attack us, and and you know, it doesn't mean, you know, we're not implying that bad things don't happen to us. But God in Christ protects us from anything that would do us ultimate harm. And what I mean by ultimate is eternal. What I'm talking about is spiritual. God protects us spiritually so we reach our ultimate destination, being in his presence. If you have been delivered by Jesus Christ, there is nothing that this world, that the flesh, or the devil can throw at you to keep you from reaching your destination in Christ, from reaching eternity in Christ. This is security of the believer. Jesus said that no one would be able to snatch us out of his hand. It's, his, it's all about how tightly Christ holds on to us. It has nothing to do about how tightly we hold on to Christ. We're, we're too weak to hang on too t- t- tightly to Christ. We're, we're just that weak. But Christ is holding on to us once we are his, our enemies cannot do us ultimate harm. They cannot steal us from Christ once we are in Christ. You know, Christ even protects us from ourselves. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I have come to find that I am my own worst enemy. I, who causes me the biggest problem? I do. I'm the one that causes the biggest problem, and you know what, God protects me from myself, quite often I have found as well. And so we thank and praise God that we have been delivered by Christ and we are being protected by Christ, even from ourselves. But there's one final reason given that we give thanks to God. We thank God for his provision. We thank God for his provision. The last verses of the psalm remind us that God provides for us in every way possible. We notice first that God provides for us emotionally because the psalmist says in verse 23 that God remembers us when we are down, when we are at our lowest point. God is right there with us. We think of Psalm 23 when David said that even when we're walking through the darkest valley, the valley of death, God is with us. He is right there with us in that valley. You know what? Our family and friends, they might abandon us in our hour of need. God never will abandon us in Christ. And he'll provide all the emotional support we need because he provides himself who is our source of peace. But not only does God provide for us emotionally, he provides for us spiritually. He says in verse 24 that anything that our enemy tries to do he snatches us away from the enemy's hands. You know, even though in Christ, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The enemy doesn't go out down without a fight. Even though we no longer belong to him, he wants to make sure that we're not effective in leading others away from him. He wants to do whatever he can to make us as ineffective for the kingdom of God as possible. And so the enemy's going to throw at us every dirty spiritual trick in the book. He tries to make us useless for God. He tries to get us to focus on ourselves and our comfort. Or he causes us to fall into sin. He, he, he's trying to lead us away from being effective. He wants to drive a wedge between us and God in any way that he can. That won't sever the relationship that that's there for eternity, but just to make us ineffective while we're on this earth. But the psalmist reminds us that if we seek God with our whole heart, our great God is going to snatch us away from whatever spiritual tactics that the enemy uses. But then the psalmist also tells us that God is going to provide for us physically. He says in verse 25 that God is the one who gives food to all living things. Everything that we might need in life, God provides. We think of what Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount, that if God gives food to the bird, and if God gives clothes to the flowers, so to speak, how much more important to God are we? We're much more important than flowers and birds. So if God is going to take care of the birds and God's going to take care of the flowers, wouldn't God provide for the ones who are made in his image? And so we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that everything else is going to be taken care of. What a great God we have. He is worthy of our thanksgiving and praise. He provides everything that we need. And so I close with this thought. God has blessed us, but you know... God has blessed us tremendously, but how often do we focus in more on the complaining than we do the thanksgiving? Warren Wiersbe made this observation. He said that the poet Emerson said that if the stars came out only once a year, everybody would stay up all night to behold them. We have seen the stars so often that we don't bother to look at them anymore because we have grown accustomed to our blessings. Consider the Israelites in the wilderness who got accustomed to their blessing and God had to chasten the people. God had fed the nation with heavenly manna each morning and yet the people were getting tired of it. But now our whole being is dried up, they said. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Nothing but manna. You know, they were experiencing a miracle of God's provision every morning and yet they didn't care. they were no longer excited about it all they could get, do is get up in the morning and say "Ugh, nothing but manna how often do we look at the blessings god has given us and all we say in our heart is oh, nothing but manna we should be thankful and that thanksgiving leads us to praise a wonderful god and so christian come to the altar today and give thanksgiving and praise to the God who daily, every minute, every second and however else you might divide the time he gives you his chesed love his loyal love thank him for the loyal love that he demonstrates to you every day but there might be some here who have not been delivered from sin You have not been delivered from death You've not been delivered from the devil. You still belong to his kingdom of darkness. Only Jesus Christ is able to deliver you and take you out from the kingdom of darkness and put you into his kingdom of light. And I call you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 AM. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.